Welcome, 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 man. Andy, you can go ahead and start tweeting that Folks Talking Sports is on the air once again. Andy, how are you doing? Doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. As one alum to another, as an older alum to a young alum, I thought this day would never come. 27 years in the making. Uh, we are, of course, talking about the University of Houston being invited to join the Big 12 Conference. Just, uh, oh, and folks, in case you don't know, if you can't read, if you're driving and just listening, I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me is Andy Yanez from Apollo Media, Paul Samajama, Community Impact Newspaper. He does everything. You know, I'm not sure how, how much sleep he gets, but he, he puts in the work and he does, he does great work in everything he does. Well, we got people joining us. James Mueller is supposed to join us in a few minutes. Willie Gibson will join us. Our co-host will join us as well. And then Tamer Knight, uh, about 40 minutes or so, will join us. And possibly, possibly, a special guest will, will join us based on time permitting. So we shall see. And that person will just join when they can. I did not put a time on it. I said this show may go who knows how long today. Hour and a half, maybe even two hours, you know, stressing it like that far. Who knows? But Andy Yanez, I was hoping to get somebody else on to, to hear this, but I could play it again. I think I've learned the technology of everything. Since you were working at your day job, yeah. you were <laughs> not available for the morning media session of where the Big 12 announced the at Houston UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU were invited to join the Big 12 Conference. Each of the four schools held a press conference to discuss the news. Houston was first to have their press conference. I'm not sure what that means, if that's a positive, that's a great sign going forward, that U of H was picked first over just based on scheduling or, or whatever. But U of H was picked first, and the first person who spoke at the press conference and just one thing about Zoom, man, it's, it's much more convenient for people to, to uh, have events like this, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, in past days, it'd be harder for people to travel and, on, and meet and things like that. But the first person you're going to hear from is Lawrence Shavonic, the president of Texas Tech University, as well as a uh, Big 12 board chair person. It's about, uh, it's not too long, but just to hear what he had to say, Andy. He made my day. I'll just, and here we go. Of my colleagues in the Big 12, I'm delighted to welcome the University of Houston into the Big 12 Conference. The Big 12 presidents and chancellors began this process of adding members with the focus of strengthening the conference. The addition of the University of Houston with its rich tradition of athletic success and outstanding academic credentials enhances the prestige and the competitiveness of the league on a national scale and sets us on a path to even greater success. A bigger, stronger, more national- Yeah, but my background isn't in there. Is a great thing for college athletics. And on a more personal level, familial level, I might add, having the University of Houston in the Big 12 is good for Texas Tech and the University of Houston on many levels. And this is also good for the state of Texas. I look forward to working with Chancellor Couture 
I regard her as one of the most respected university administrators in the United States. And on behalf of my colleagues and the board of directors, we will benefit from your experience and your leadership. Again, we're delighted to have the University of Houston in the Big 12 Conference. Wow. Just what are your thoughts on that, man? Hearing that, hearing those words, just what are your thoughts? What, what's your reaction? The praise. I mean, you couldn't have said any more praise. I mean, uh, certainly very high regards for Renew Couture. Um, I guess it, it's kind of coincidental. Thinking back to 2016 and how that ended up um, when UH ended up not getting into the Big 12 then, you know, five years later, they're finally in. Obviously, we've heard about how much this is the goal over not only Renew Couture, but Tillman Fertitta. I know Kelvin Sampson was high on uh, the role that Fertitta played in Houston finally being able to get into the Big 12, but also you know, Chris Pessman after all the different uh, athletic directors that the school has had. It's a bit surreal, especially after, you know, you mentioned it. I, you know, first of all, I just hear stories whenever you're talking about the old Southwest Conference because I was nowhere near alive whenever you had those that conference and those schools running around and, and obviously the su success that Houston had in that conference now, finally after t over 20 years, they can finally say they're part of a Power 5 conference, obviously different circumstances, but I mean, surreal is probably the, the best word I could use, just hearing all that praise from a Power 5 conference, which is their goal ever since I've covered U of H for the Cougar and now Apollo Media, that's been the that's been the biggest goal that everyone talks about within the UH program. Indeed. And our, the third member of our group has, has joined us. And I'm curious as to how all this works. Willie Gibson, can you hear me? Just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay. So I just always wondered if, you know, folks in the, in the back, in the studio, could hear how, what's going on now. So Willie Gibson, hold on, man. I got one more clip to play before I bring you in. And this one is from, Oh, some folks don't like him. Some folks think he should be let go of his job. He's in, in over his head. He's too reactive rather than proactive. Of course, I'm speaking of Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. And this clip is so, it follows up Lawrence Shivana's clip directly right after Lawrence spoke. It's about two and a half minutes long. And he talks about a lot of stuff. So everybody, James Mueller's in the queue as well. Everybody, well, James is a part of it this morning, but Andy, in case you didn't hear this, Will, here we go. Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Um, we are adding four great universities today. Uh, it's a good day. Uh, 200,000 students, three additional states, uh, 40 million in population, uh, three of the best recruiting areas in the entire nation. Um, Tremendously successful broad-based athletics programs led by some really outstanding coaches and administrators. So it's a good day by, by any measure. And this is our first media function uh, with our friends at the University of Houston and now our colleagues at the University of Houston. And so uh, there isn't any question that the Cougars raise the bar uh, in every sport and in every way. Uh, they, they live and reside in arguably the best recruiting uh, county in the United States for football players. And uh, that is, uh, is going to be no small assistance to 
the continued progress of the football program. Uh, to add to that, the obvious excellence of the basketball program uh, that Kelvin Sampson has built is, uh, is remarkable and sustainable. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we, we largely talk about the, the major sports, but uh, not lost on me is that Houston has 16 uh, golf championships. Uh, we, we have a great uh, golf environment in our league for both men and women, and, and Houston's not going to do anything but add to that. Um, I, I want to specifically thank Chancellor Couture, uh, A.D. Pesman. Uh, I didn't know Chris, but I've gotten a chance to get to know him, and, and obviously he's doing a, a great job, and, and uh, none of this happens without uh, Board Chair Fertitta. Um, Tillman, thank you very much for being a part of the meetings and being a part of this media function today. Um, it's, uh, it's a great day for the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we think it's a great day for the state of Texas, as Lawrence mentioned, and for the University of Houston. And this will make uh, maybe the Bayou Bucket Classic just a little more special for Coach Holgerson and his team this weekend. And uh, so we, we wish you well. We couldn't be any more excited about uh, this morning's news. And uh, it's wholeheartedly that I, I welcome all of you to the Big 12 Conference. Um, we are. All right, Andy, thoughts on that? Then we'll bring in our, our buddy, Will Gibson. Uh, props for him mentioning that game tomorrow between Houston and Rice. I, I found that a little interesting. Um, Honestly, I think that kind of adds some more fuel to the fire that uh, it should be a must-win game. But, yeah, similar to what uh, we heard from the last clip, just all the praise coming not in only the, the programs. And, by the way, shout-out for him for mentioning the other smaller schools like the golf program. He didn't mention the swim team. But it'll be interesting when you look across the board. Like he mentioned, obviously, the first two sports that everyone mentions, it's football and it's men's basketball. But I think, like he said, Houston does a good job overall when you look at top to bottom how they fit in with the conference, how, how competitive they will be. But, I mean, it, it, it's a little – I wouldn't call it – I'm not going to say the word that's coming off to my head, but it's interesting to see them have all that praise. And just five years ago, they wouldn't let them in. Now, obviously, one of these schools that would be heading to the SEC probably had a lot to do with it, but I, I don't And with that, let's bring in our, our third member of, of the group, Willie Gibson. Yes, how are you, sir? I'm well. Awesome with you here. We're doing well. Thoughts on what you just heard from Bob Bowlesby? Yeah. Um, to address um, Andy, what he just said as far as, you know, did not win them in five years ago, um, and now it's the glowing praise. Um, with the analogy I first thought of, and Chris, you may or, you may have seen this. I'm going to say you experienced this. You may have seen this once or twice. Uh, you're at a, a club, and it's 1030, and the young lady may ask you to dance, and you may not want to at that time, but, you know, when the DJ says last dance, you look around like, well, okay, where was she? she? She asked me at 1030. Let me let me find out where she is. And, and that may be the situation. You know, you're, you're down eight. You're down to eight schools. And those schools are looking, searching, making calls, looking for a soft landing place. So, hey, to get back up to 12 Houston, remember? We talked. Mm -hmm. You called me, and I lost your number. That's what happened. I lost. You didn't <laughs> tell you, my friend didn't tell you I lost your number. Yeah, that's what happened. 
That's exactly fine. That's what happened. You know, and to piggyback off about what both of y'all said, <clears throat> and you, you you referenced five years ago, heck, two months ago, if if not less than that, a month ago, the rumors, and I heard today, you know, off the record kind of stuff. You know, one of the rumors was the other eight schools, remaining eight, did not want Tillman, no, want Houston because of Tillman. I heard that wasn't true. But, you know, rumors like that. Um, because Tillman said it was a sham. All kind of, yeah, heard that wasn't true today. But it's just funny how things change. You know, all think about this. 50 days ago is when Texas and Oklahoma won the report from Brent's tournament from the Chronicle was announced that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. Fast forward, not too long after, about two weeks ago, the Alliance, the Pac-12, announces that they are not going to expand at this time. What was it? A day later, two days later, we hear that the remaining eight schools in the Big 12 are looking to expand, looking to add schools. Hmm. It's amazing how all these things change rapidly. In mm -hmm. 50 days, we've had a realignment with the Longhorn Sooners going to the SEC. You got four new schools going to the, the new Big 12. That's going to have an impact on the American side of the conference. What are they going to do? It's going to have an impact on the West Coast Conference. What will they do? How will they deal with replacing BYU? And let me ask all this right now. What do you think Gonzaga will do because their men's basketball is losing one of their best competitive opponents in the West Coast Conference? They really don't, one of the main reasons for playing tough non-conference games is because West, Conference, West Coast Conference schedule is not that great. So what do we think the Zags are going to do? They're on the phone. Oh. <laughs> Andy, you first. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if you're if you're Mike Oresco, I think you're calling Gonzaga and trying to get them to, to join the American Athletic Conference. But, I mean, yeah, like Will said, I mean, the West Coast Conference has always been one of those conferences where they get a lot of uh, – negative criticism for the lack of competition. I and mean, even Baylor when they were undefeated, I'm not Baylor, Gonzaga when they were undefeated a year ago heading into the NCAA tournament, there was always you know, people dismissing. I'm like, yeah, but you look look at who they're playing in the West Coast Conference. You know, it's not as impressive as what Baylor was doing in the Big 12. So now it's going to get a lot worse when, they, like you mentioned, they lose basically their biggest, at least at the moment, their biggest competition in the West Coast Conference. And yeah, like Will said, you got to be calling on the phones. If it's not the American Athletic Conference, you got to figure out something. I mean, that's aiming low. They should be looking at one of the other Power 5 schools. Hey, they should be calling the Pac-12. I know they said that they're not looking to expand, but got to make the call. Will, what, what do you think? And then I got another school and I have to ask you all about what you think they should do. Yeah, I thought it's funny. I thought about Pac-12 initially when Gonzaga, you know, West Coast, Spokane, Washington, Pac-12. But outside of basketball, what do they have to offer the Pac-12? I don't know. I know they don't have football, I don't believe. So <clears throat> what would the Pac-12, what would be the draw for the Pac-12 to say, yeah, come on, Gonzaga, outside of November to March? Because, you know, they're, they're not bringing a team to the Rose Bowl or the L.A. Coliseum or – to Austin Stadium, and so I don't, you know, that that'd be interesting to me. 
um, outside of the Pac-12. Where you know, what do they have to offer outside basketball? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And and we lost Andy. Hopefully, he'll come back in in a few seconds. Will I'll ask you, mm-hmm. what do you think Memphis will do now? That's a great question. Um, and apparently, they're hurt. Their feelings are hurt because they weren't invited. Understandable, but you know. Yeah. Next, wait. Yeah, you know what? I can see a Memphis calling the ACC because if that basketball program is going is on is going to come up like we believe it is with Penny, their football team they just played in the Cotton Bowl a couple if not last year a couple years ago a couple years ago. They're on a now they lost Mike Norville to Florida State. And you know how much of that success was with him, but I can see a, maybe an ACC. You know them getting on the phone to the ACC and say, "Hey, you know Memphis, North Carolina." I don't know. We'll see. And we're going to bring in James to uh, fill in. Hopefully, Andy comes back. But I'm going to play a clip from President Couture, and you could just in in her voice hear the pride <laughs> of U of H getting the invitation to the Big 12. Here we go with President Rena Couture. We are very excited and very eager, but I want to start by thanking um, you, President Shavnik, and uh, all the members of the Big 12 board and Commissioner Bolsby for extending the invitation to us, um, for accepting our application, for having confidence in us, for finding us a suitable partner. I also want to thank the Cougar family, um, the students, alumni, fans, supporters, the city of Houston, the board, the state leaders. Uh, If I'm forgetting everybody, I just want to make sure everybody's included because this has been truly a village effort, a joint, a team effort, and I just can't be um, just more excited for everybody. Now, we have been uh, on a path of... uh, transforming this great University of Houston into a greater University of Houston. Over the the, uh, last decade, I mean, it's a tier one status, the Phi Beta Kappa, the uh, Peach Bowl victory, medical school, the final four, and now power five. You know, it is really pretty spectacular what the community as a whole um, can do. I mean, if you dream big, you can achieve it. I, I have always believed that great institutions, great universities are built by great communities. So I do want to thank everybody who has been involved in this effort. But I want to point out, we are so excited because Big 12 is a great conference. Let's just start with the word big. I love big. I love everything big. It's about Texas being big, everything, big and bold. And I have seen the conference um, you know, games and the level of competitiveness, it only will make us better. It will only challenge us to rise to new heights, to, uh, to, to seek even uh, and dream big and to, to uh, play at a higher level. So let me just end by saying we are very excited, very hopeful, and very grateful. I'm sure we'll make University of Houston the city of Houston, the state of Texas, and the Big 12 Conference, very proud. So thank you once again. Well, what are your thoughts on President Couture, what she said? She's thrilled to death, man. <laughs> I mean, she's thrilled oh. to pieces. 
Yeah, she's excited, bro. She's excited. I can. I mean, and as well she should be. As well she should be. I mean, I mean what we talked about last week. The money alone, what seven million per school and the eight. Right now, right now six. Not not seven yet. Okay, six right now. Yeah. And then going to the Big Twelve, we're looking at what nineteen to twenty. Mm-hmm. Triple. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. She's excited. She's excited. So I mean, and again, that's what she should be. Um, she said everything she was supposed to say, and and it was genuine, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't coach speak, if you will. As you definitely, you know, you and the three of us have sat sat through pressers, and you're sitting there like, okay, I can almost tell you what he's gonna say next. But with that, it was genuine excitement, genuine um, happiness. It's perfect. Perfect. I mean. Yeah, she showed it. She wore it on her sleeve. Andy, what are your thoughts on what you heard? Yeah, we'll set it all. I mean, <laughs> you can mention really when, when you see all that excitement, it's just like I, I said before, a culmination of, honestly, that was probably one of the last big goals that she had since she's been here as the president, president at the University of Houston, just in terms of what she looked to accomplish. And, you know, she listed all the list of accolades that the schools had, not only in athletics, but even also, you know, with the new college of medicine that's supposed to open up in the coming years. I mean, yeah, like we'll said, it's finally, she can celebrate her. And I would, I, I can't say last big goal, but certainly one of the one, the one probably that was the highest up there, at least certainly that she still had to do. And I, I want to bring in James, Mueller, a sports editor from the Daily Cougar, to get his thoughts, and then I'm going to play a clip from uh, AD Chris Pesman, and then we'll get into uh, talking football and, and more stuff. I got a question for the panel. So, uh, James, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Let, let me add real quick to, to Will and Andy. I saw James for the first time in a year <laughs> today at uh, uh, Chris Pesman's media gathering this afternoon and it's my first time seeing James standing up because usually he's sitting down at a, at a desk or a table behind me at a basketball game. James, you're tall, man. You're taller <laughs> than me. I was like, wow, James is pretty tall. But James, thank you for joining us once again. What are your thoughts on today? The news of today and what you've heard today. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a monumental day for the university. I wasn't alive during the Southwest Conference days, but I've read the stories and heard them from people. You know, it was a struggle for Houston to get in the Southwest Conference in the first place. And then when it disbanded, uh, they were left behind dirty and it really set them back uh, athletically uh, pretty far. And so, you know, being able to make up all this ground and finally get into one of those power conferences with autonomy, you know, and that is shown a lot more respect than the previous conferences they've been into is a huge uh, is a huge deal um, for the university. Um, Pride-wise, money-wise, obviously, we I know you mentioned that last week, you know, the big increase in money. Um, and just it brings a sort of new energy to the fans and alumni um, who have been waiting so long. Um, Chris Pesman, I thought, said something really interesting when he was talking. He said, like, over the past 25 years, you could still see the scars from, you know, Pause how... right there. Pause right there, because that's what I'm going to play. See, okay. James, great mind, stick alike, Will. Andy, here we go. You're going to hear from uh, Chris Pesman, his comments, about two minutes and change. But Will, listening to the AD, Chris Pesman, what he had to say will give you an idea of how the feelings of U of H alums have felt for 
25, 27 years. Here we go with Chris Pesman. There's a lot of scars and a lot of alumni at the University of Houston from what happened in the early 90s. Um, you know, it's it, it, a little bit of, um, you know, just gun shy. Uh, but to be in this position today, it, 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 I, I, Tillman and Renew and I have talked about this and, and our coaches have. It, when this affects everything, every aspect of our department and, and our programs and and the opportunity it provides the institution to continue to grow where, you know, uh, work meets opportunity and, and where that provided this this chance to have this come together for us. Um, it, it's for me, it's incredibly personal. Um, it, it I, I played in the Southwest Conference and then, you know, to see us go through the, you know, kind of nomadic life of Conference USA to the American and and the uncertainty that have evolved through all those times. And then to have this chance, you know, present itself over the course of the summer with the with the moves that occurred and, and the opportunity presented to us today is just, um, again, I, 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 I have not found a single word to describe it other than it's just um, truly, truly meaningful. And there's so many people that are responsible for this. I mean, you think about the political apparatus that we didn't have available to us necessarily when the Southwest Conference dissolved and what we have today. And it started with Welcome Wilson starting the PAC 20 years ago. Uh, Jason Smith, who is our political liaison for the university and his efforts and, and him working behind the scenes to help provide information to us on where things were going and how to navigate it. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And, and trust me, when I say we fired every bullet, um, this was not an opportunity we were going to allow to to pass us by without, um, you know, I, I said it several times again to Tillman and Renew, I, you know, we did not want to sit here and look at this opportunity and, and say, what else could we have done? And I feel very confident that we, we did quite a bit and hopefully we didn't, we can mend some of those relationships as we leaned on people, but it, it proved out and, and today is a great day to be a coup. What are your thoughts on what you just heard, Will? Yeah, he, he referenced it. First thing, the battle scars. I mean, the 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 unshyness of is this really going to happen? And to come to see it come to fruition again, it's it's the the genuineness and uh, the genuine excitement of. And I don't know that it's the money. I mean, we talk about the money, and that's that's great, you know, seven, nineteen, twenty. But I think he said it: the battle scars, the to be up to this point before only to be let down and even to be there to this most recently, it's still kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Is this really going down? And to have it actually come to fruition. I mean, it's, it's, it's genuine. It's, it's refreshing to be perfectly honest. And let me add before I get the youngsters thoughts on it. As an, as an alum, I had other alums contact me, as recently as yesterday, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen? <laughs> Are we going to the Big 12? Is this really going to happen? As of yesterday, because of the scars from previous trips this close. So I had to, even even in my pessimism, I had to answer with, it sure sounds like it's going to happen. I sure think so. It's going to happen. But, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> To see the news, you know, get the info. It's going to be a press conference Friday. 
to announce everything. It's going to be this, that, and the other. Wow, this is really going to happen. So I, when I tweeted out late last night a picture of a Big 12 bag, travel bag, I was like, that was it. Because when I did that, I should have told folks who follow me on Twitter, wow, this is really going to happen. This is really going to happen. But Andy, what are your thoughts on what, what Pez said? Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I got sidetracked with that last comment he said about the picture um, about posting the Big 12 uh, thing. It's funny, James. I'm looking at when you, you replied to one of the tweets earlier, and I, and I didn't get a chance to reply to you. But, I mean, yeah, just yesterday, it, it, I think that's really when it first sunk in that, I mean, it was going to happen. And... Um, just the excitement level, even, and not just for Houston. Obviously, we're talking a, a lot of UH perspective because we're in the city of Houston. But look at all these other schools they got into. I mean, Cincinnati, I know they were posting like teasers before they officially announced the news. This, like, Central Florida or UCF, whenever they got in, they posted a, I mean, a, a fun video. It's just like excitement all around. But going to what Chris Pesman said, what, what stuck out to me, stood out to me was that. You know, ever since they left the Southwest Conference where they felt like, you know, they were slighted, they should have been in all along once the, the, the original Big 12 was formed. The nomadic, I think he described it, going from Conference USA over transitioning to the American Athletic Conference. I mean, honestly, since the Southwest Conference disbanded, this has been a 20-plus year journey for Houston to finally get in and into a Power 5 conference. And fittingly, it's the Big 12 after all along, we mentioned the past, five years ago when they couldn't get in, but really this goes back, I mean, before even I was born, that's how long this journey has been. It's just like uh, Will said, uh, finally you can see the raw emotion from all these uh, leaders' faces and the, what they're describing because it's a big goal that they've had individually, but the university has had for since the Southwest Conference disbanded. James, are you still on campus? Yes, I am. For classes and things like that daily? Yeah. Mm -hmm. what what is what has been the vibe on campus this week about this news heck today even when it was you know official i mean typically on fridays there's not a ton of people here but you can sense like um i've gotten so many messages from friends on campus being like what you just report like when i tweeted out um my article you know saying it's official and stuff they're like is this real like there's there's real excitement like um Going back to the scars point, you know, people, Houston's been close, but then they've, you know, not been able to pull through in certain deals in 2016, just going back, it's always seemed to eluded them. So like the fact that it actually like officially happened today, you can sense from the people I've talked to and interacted with, there's like, there's sort of a new uh, brightness inside of them, you know, this, this new sense of joy, you know, knowing that they're at the University of Houston during this historic time, something that, you know, the university has been working on for a long time, ever since uh, the mid nineties when the Southwest conference dissolved. So um, yeah, I think there's uh, a new sense of energy and um, everyone I've interacted with is just super excited um, about what the future holds for the university. Well, I guess we can go and get into it. Shifting gears, going to talk uh, by you bucket as Commissioner Bowlesby discussed. Well, no, no, no. We'll get into that in a second. Got, got a clip from Dana Hogerson about that. But overall, the press release that the that UVH put out today referenced that Houston will be joining the Big 12 as soon as the fall of 2023. 
thoughts on that? James, you first. Do you think Commissioner Bowlesby said at the latest it would be would be July 1st, 2024, because that's the 27-month full notification of the AAC. But it could be sooner, as in 2023. James, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it could be even sooner than that? Uh, I don't see happening sooner than that. I think 2023 is realistic. Um, Chris Pesman, when he was talking, said, you know, our intentions are to play football in the Big 12 by 2023. And I think that's a more realistic timeline um, just because the buyout to leave that early is going to be a lot more. And there's a lot of different, you know, legal stuff they would have to go through. But, you know, in 2023, you can get out. Um, it, it just seems like the right time because BYU is also joining then. Um, I think I'm not sure when um, uh, UCF and Cincinnati are have said they're going to join um, officially, but uh, I think it's just the right time then. It just makes sense. Um, and you might even get a chance to play one or two years with Texas and Oklahoma. And you know, UH fans love, they always want to have Texas on the schedule. And so that could also be an added bonus, even though it's not going to be, uh, you know, long-term to get one or two years. You know, if Texas and OU stay through their 2025 contract, then that could be an added bonus as well. I'm going to be petty and then toss to Andy and Will for their comments on this. The Longhorns are king of petty and avoiding U of H as much as possible. So this is could this invitation for U of H to the Big 12 could be even more impetus for Texas to contact, do whatever, to get out of the Big 12 as soon as possible, to avoid the Big 12 conference scheduling U of H Texas football matchup in 2024, 2023, whatever. So I just, that's petty. I'm saying it out there, but I think the Longhorns are petty too. I think they're petty like that. They'll, we don't want to play to U of H. Why should we give them, why should we allow them to step on the same field as us? We're the Texas Longhorns. They're, they're still Cougar high. We're not going to, those folks still exist up in Austin. Okay. Will, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think that U of H could we'll wait to get out in 2023 or get out sooner. Yeah, I think conversations are being conducted now to get them out as quickly as possible. I mean, you you want to ride the wave of momentum. You know, you announced today and to say, I'm going to wait, you know, I'm coming, but I'm coming in two years. Yeah, we know the 27-month contractual, contractual obligation, and that's even being cut to get them in 2023, but I, I'm pretty confident the conversations are are ongoing to even speed that or move that that finish line up a little further than that so Andy, what do you think yeah i know um the timetable they gave is you know at latest fall 2024 earliest 2023 and like will said i agree wholeheartedly they're probably trying to see speed up this process as soon as as possibly can and, and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if somehow it ended up being by fall 2022 after seeing how quickly this whole process ended up moving i mean look at how fast just the, the invitation came within months like literally uh, we're talking may june like this was nowhere on the radar and how fast it moved i could totally i wouldn't be surprised how quickly they could buy out especially um, when you look at UT and OU, I know they're saying 2025. I'd be surprised if it takes them that long to jump towards the SEC. And 
like we mentioned then last week, at the end of the day, once you look at all parties, even for the American Athletic Conference, I'm sure they'd probably look to move on, especially like you mentioned with the teams that they have, like UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. I know Houston not so much in football, but those programs are like – Look at Cincinnati. What if they end up winning the American Athletic Conference uh, championship this year? And then you're always going to have that hovering over. Well, they're going to be in the Big 12 by 2023 or 2024. I think the benefits outweigh having these three teams extend their lame duck period. And I I could totally see it at, at quickest, to be honest, would be fall 2023. And I wouldn't be surprised if they figured out a way to do it sooner. I, I had an alum this evening say he wouldn't be surprised if, if U of H is in the Big 12 after this season. Yeah. So money's, money talks, negotiations, settlements, all those things are involved. I'm not sure how much money that would take. Um, I'm not sure if Cincinnati and UCF could do the same thing and you know get there one year earlier. BYU's buyout for the West Coast Conference, six-month notice, what is it, 12 months, 18 months, whatever kind of notice, one is half a million dollars, and the one is $1 million. That's it. I mean, I say that's it like I got it in my pocket, which I don't, obviously. But We keep it in the bank, we know. But in grand scheme of things, yeah, well, yeah. Shout out, yeah. Good job, man. If anybody wants to sponsor this show and and help us get to that uh, level of, contributing to the U of H Athletic Fund. Get us up. We're open to do that. But also, Memphis. What if Memphis, I think Commissioner Resco needs to be active and getting new members to, in some way, appease Memphis. Because Memphis right now, they are, they're hurt. They're, not to say hurt, they're pissed off. Yeah. And what if they decide to leave as soon as possible? But the catch is, where are they going to go? You know, Big 12 said no. Will, you, you, you tossed out ACC. It won't be the SEC. No. It won't be the Big 10. So no. really, what option do they have? And we'll get into the football matchup in a second. I saw before this show started, uh, B-Rider for Kansas Jayhawks, you know, with quotes. Let me pull it up. The AD president for uh, the Jayhawks sounds like because of the money being lower revenue going forward will be less for KU they have to will have to look forward this is from K this is from the source is Jesse Newell who covers Kansas uh, Jayhawk athletics this is a quote from AD Travis Goff on the money implications of the Longhorns and Sooners leaving and how it's going to impact future revenue quote we're less secure now than we were eight weeks ago and maybe significantly financially less secure the facts are there's most likely a scenario where when we do a new deal with a makeup we likely can't stay at the level we're at end quote okay can you football sucks I mean, it's one of the worst football programs in D1 athletics, D1 football. As we've seen, football makes college sports go around. 
Jayhawk basketball is not doesn't have any say in this. So what what is KU going to do? They're going to wave their you know their sign, come come pick us, Big Ten, because we're an AAU school and we've got a great basketball program. Is that what they're going to do? And, and, and what happened? It. Yeah, they got turned they're out. Still, they're still on hold in Big Ten offices in Chicago. But uh, Travis Goff is it funny because he's only been there since April. He's a new AD. So he's talking mad cash trash to be there only five months. Um, I mean, what else is he supposed to say, I guess? I mean, well, I, I guess, but yeah, reality I mean, is, I guess he's, yeah. he's hyped over the football game they won Saturday to snap that 17 game losing streak, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah and thinks that's going to turn things around. Right. Yeah. No. Right. No. Not going to happen. Okay, James, looks like you're busy. But real quick, so I want to get oh, in. No. Hey, man, if you are, we all got lives, man. I understand. But I want to real quick no, play the clip from Dana Hogerson because he, he Dana leads into a little bit about Bayou Bucket, U Bates, Rice tomorrow. And I'll just wait. I'm going to pull this up. So, Chris, you, yes, sir. Can I ask James a question real quick? Sure, go ahead. Did you get a haircut? Yeah. That's good, man. Thank That's you. That's good. That's it. It's the new Big 12 look, Will. He's getting yeah. ready for the Big 12. So, yeah. 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 I got All a haircut, right. too, Will. Did you know? Yeah, I saw it, right? You were next. That was my so, next question. But, yeah, here we go. A U of H football head coach, Dana Hogerson, who's about to get a raise with this invitation to the Big 12. Here we go. Hey, for the University of Houston, this, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of uh, hard work uh, that, that's, that's been going on here for the last 15 years or so. Um, you know, it's just a great day for the University of Houston, <coughs> for our fan base. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I came here, because I kept my eyes on, on, on what was happening here. I got hired here in 08, was here for two years. Um, it was about the same time that, that Miss Renew Couture got hired here. Um, and what, what she's done for, you know, the last 15 years or four, 13 years or however long it's been is something that I've been very vocal about. And, and I, I kept my eye on what was going on. Uh, we got tremendous leadership here. We got uh, incredible campus, uh, great location, vibrant city. Um, you know, it, it, I, knew, I knew Houston was going to be in this conversation. I didn't know when it was going to happen. Didn't know how quick it was going to happen. Uh, figured we had to win a few more, a few more games than we have here. Uh, but uh, you know, just based on what's happening with the city, uh, with what our leadership is, with how great our fan base is, um, the amount of success that's happened academically, uh, with with buildings being built, with enrollment going up, uh, with the academic situation being good. I mean, there's a law school being redone. There's a medical school being built. Um, you know, we got great leadership with our board, uh, with with Tillman Fertitta, uh, you know, being in charge. Uh, just great. It's a great time to be a Houston Cougar, man. So uh, just looking forward to this, uh, This, uh, you know, here in a couple of years. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, that starts here in about 20 minutes in preparation for trying to win a ball game tomorrow against Rice. Uh that's my focus, but uh, uh, just for overall, just really excited for the direction of, of, of the university. Thoughts on that? James, you first. I mean, 
like he's like I mean Dana said, you know, they still gotta win games. That's the big thing. If they go to the Big Twelve and play like they've been playing in the American in his first few years, it's not gonna I mean they'll have more, you know, prime time televised games um, just in the conference, but like it's not gonna matter that I mean the importance is winning games and I mean Chris Pesman uh, uh, mentioned this, you know, when he was speaking to the media saying, you know, how we didn't come here just to, you know, get in. We came here to win in every sport. And uh, they've got to, they've got to figure out a way because there's not a big difference being at the bottom of the big 12 in football and being at the bottom of the American. I mean, you're at the bottom. Andy, what are your thoughts on, on Dana said? Yeah, I, th- I found it interesting um, going back to the one of the earlier clips where they threw in that Rice game. Honestly, I think, and you mentioned that Dana Hogerson just is going to, do you know when that raise will kick in for him, just that Houston was able to move into the uh, Power 5 conference? I'm, I'm not sure. It may be this season, after this season, because what I've read was he'll get the million-dollar bonus once Juve is invited to a power conference, a power five conference. Well, that's happened. Right. That's interesting. Um, but he, Dana Holgerson himself touched on it, how, you know, when Renu Couture went down the list of all the athletic success, she mentioned the Peach Bowl, but that happened six years ago, probably more than six years ago. I forget if it's 2014 or 2015. 2015 year. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, recently, the University of Houston hasn't had much success in the football uh, department. Certainly, the past three years, they've been bottom tier in the American Athletic Conference. Like James said, is there really much of a difference being the bottom of the American and the bottom of the Big 12? That's not what they're joining the Big 12 for, just to, you know, basically leech off of their getting free money. They're trying to win. And it starts with the football program because that's the marquee in American and American sports. That's the marquee football. And for Dana Hogerson, I think that just adds more fuel to the fire. I mean, let me throw that this scenario out there. All how good today was, the excitement, the noise, how much would it just be a buzzkill if Houston goes out there and loses to inner city rival Rice, lowly Rice? Massive, massive buzzkill. And I, I heard from folks today, got to win tomorrow, man. Got to be Rice. Can't follow up this great news with, with just an, a, an ostrich-sized egg and a loss to Rice. Got to be Rice. Come on now. I mean, seriously. Dana is – he's 7-14 and 14 at U of H. Yeah. 7-14. and 14. He's about to get a raise because of the invitation to the Big 12. So is Kelvin Sampson as well, but Kelvin Sampson has had much success. But yes, Will. Let me ask you this. Let me yes, ask sir. you this. So, hot take-ish, if you will. Houston loses the rights tomorrow. Is Dan Horgerson the coach on Sunday? On Monday, rather? In, 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 in my world, hell no. Fair enough. But I'm, I'm not the one making the decisions. Right. James, Andy, if, if you race loses the rights, is do you believe it? Is there any possible way that he'd be let go next week? I don't see that personally, just because I don't see them making the move in the middle of the season. Like, who are they going to bring in? Um, I can just promote, just like, make this name Doug Belt interim coach for the rest of the year. 
I mean, I still, I think they give him time, but I think if they don't get eight wins this year, there's a good chance uh, he's gone, but I can't see them making the move uh, after two weeks in the season. Andy? Yeah, I I tend to agree with James and say I don't see it happening, but losing to Rice and after having, entering his third season, losing to Rice would clearly, I mean, would clearly be showing that this program is regressing if you're losing to Lodi Rice. And at this point, if that does happen, it'd be clear that Hogerson's not the guy to lead not only the football program and to, to be in a successful program after what they saw in the mid-2010s. But, I mean, just to compete, if you can't compete in the American Athletic Conference, if you can't compete against Rice, I mean, there's no reason you should be here and they should cut their losses while they can, as soon as they can. Because really, and we mentioned it this podcast uh, in Pond Simon Jam on our last episode, and some of the players even admitted it themselves. They feel like this is a must-win game, and I tend to agree. If if you can't beat Rice, you shouldn't be the head coach at Houston, especially off the the big news today on Friday. Following it up with a goose egg performance, like you said, it would. You saw it when they lost to Texas Tech and with the way they did in that second half, that really the fan base, not only were they frustrated, but they, they honestly, it was a bit of helplessness where a lot of people, and Chris, you saw this too, where people are like, well, it's going to be another long year. How how many more months till the men's basketball season start? And yeah, it's a couple of people on Twitter saying that, but I'd imagine there's a lot more in the fan base that feels that way. And if if he can't right the ship after two and two game two seasons and two games, how do you expect him to turn it around in two years when you're in the Big Twelve? Can I add one thing to that? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think Andy brings up a good point, and while I still don't think he'll get let go if they lose to Rice, they, I mean, the loss to Texas Tech last week was huge because they don't have, even though Texas Tech is an elite football school, they're they're a solid program, and that loss they don't have another chance for really a marquee win they avoid ucf cincinnati and chris you tweeted this out earlier in the week their wins under holverson prairie Duke, north texas yukon tulsa tulane navy usf none of those really jump out there's no there's nothing on that resume that says man we, we we're moving in the right direction we beat some you know top-notch programs and so i feel like you know that's why i say if he doesn't win at least eight or nine games i think it's hard to stick with him just because he hasn't shown any progress against any team with some, you know, form of respect or relevancy and in the college football national picture. And, and we'll go ahead. Yeah. One more thing I was going to add that I, I'm seeing one of the comments, like who would the replacement be? And Chris, you brought, you brought up making Doug Belk the interim head coach, at least for this season. I mean, Donovan Mutant said they didn't hear this week during availability. He had high praise for Belk. I mean, he he called he called them. He went on a, a probably a bit of a, a few minutes where he just talked about not even how he is as a coach, but how he is as a leader. How he takes time to speak with players to, to get to know them on an individual basis. If he met, he brought up a story where I mean they could be late in the building, he could be in a meeting, and if Mutant needs to go and talk to him, he'll spend hours just building that connection, speaking to a player, and that that you know that speaks when you hear stories like that. I mean, that that's something where if you see players rally around a certain individual and if you're not seeing the success, that that's the reason they brought Hogerson here to turn this ship around. If you're losing to Rice, why don't you make the change now and look forward at least see what 
can be salvaged here and then you can begin your true look for someone else if at the end of the season you don't feel like Buck is the guy or you have to let go of Hogerson. And let me add a couple things. This was tweeted out to me. James referenced the uh, wins that I, I mentioned that tweet earlier the week. Another uh, person on Twitter noted that of the 14 losses on Hogerson's time here, the majority of them have been by double digits. So they're not even close losses. You're basically getting smacked with him as in charge. So that's that's another mark against him as well. Uh, my mentee Tamer Knight is going to uh, she's in the studio, going to bring her on. And I just, I mean, we're getting comments. People got one person saying, <laughs> if he would rather, let me just read it. King Jaja, if I pronounce you wrong, I'm sorry. Honestly, I want to lose tomorrow, so Hogerson is gone. Okay, I had a, a, a friend slash alum text me earlier. <clears throat> Same thing. I hope you base lose tomorrow because I want Hogerson gone. Okay, you know, it, it could be a, a very small group right now. It's a vocal minority. Let's put it like that right now. But I want to ask James, you and Andy, this specifically, I want to compare, ask you, ask you all this. Is there someone, is there an equivalent to Lauren Sampson for a football? Currently? Yes. No. So, and I, well, I asked that because I'm asking to find out, is there someone for football in the back end that promotes football like Lauren Sampson does for men's basketball. Mm. Definitely not. Definitely okay. not. Okay. That's what I was told earlier today, and I wanted to ask you guys because, you know, y'all keep track of football, you base football closer than I do. That's a problem. You need – where's all this money being spent? Okay. Your staff is good, well, well paid. They're not winning games. Where's the marketing? Where's the connection with the fans? Connected, you know, social media. Lauren does a great job promoting UVA men's basketball. Who does that on the football side? I think someone needs to do that. Connect, you know, some fans. One thing that's worse than the hate right now is if, if the fans become indifferent and stop caring about football. And the majority of them just begin focusing on U of H means basketball is right around the corner. And just for the listeners and folks tuning in on YouTube, first practice, October 1st for men's basketball. That's three weeks away. So if Dana doesn't write this ship, get things turned around, October 1st, just hold on to that. And with that, we're going to bring in Tamer Knight. I think she's ready now, situated. Because I forget, did Tamer pick Uvase to beat Texas Tech? She did not. Okay, that's save, saving grace for oh. her. Did you, Tamer? I did. Okay, right. so you did pick them to win. And let's recap real quick. Tamer, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, guys and lady, Uvase, James, I think you said total yards in the second half versus Tech was 53. Mm hmm. That's correct. Will, did you hear what I said right there? 
Second yeah. half against Texas Tech, total yards for U of H offense, 53. And correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Dan Horgerson like the offensive guru? That's what we've been told. Okay. Yeah, 53 yard, total yards of offense, and they had negative, negative 18 rushing yards in that second half. Mm-hmm. The wide receivers, downfield blocking was – was a heck not even downfield line of scrimmage blocking it was just awful they, they just awful clayton toon after one game yes it's one game but it's in his third season looked awful looked like he hadn't improved at all threw in the coverage locked in on receivers his throws were late they were behind too many receivers they had to stop and and, and catch the ball which allowed defenders to tackle him I think yards after the catch were just min- minuscule. But I'm going to James. I'm going to you, Andy. Didn't Dana say about Clayton Toon in his third season, if Clayton Toon is not good this year, to blame him? Yes. He did. I mean, those were his, I mean, almost his exact words. And, I mean, like you said, we didn't see much of that improvement. He had four picks. He could have had, uh, granted, one or two of them were, like, tipped. But still, he could have had six or seven. He had a few balls where he tried to force him in there, and he got lucky. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of the same decision-making um, in terms of, you know, just what we've seen in the past. Um, and, and Will, Tamar, get your thoughts on this. We already got a comment, uh, a recommendation for U of H's next head coach, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. Mm. Will, this is where, folks, this is week two of the season. Mm. And we got U of H fans looking at replacements already. So <laughs> he needs to win tomorrow. But I, I'll say this. Even if U of H beats Rice, which they should. Okay. And? I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't impress me. This schedule is so weak. Going eight and four still doesn't imp- want to impress me. Because I think it'd just be more of the same of who they've beaten. Just a bunch of average at best opponents mm. okay let me see here oh, i think that's a joke you know it's bad when fans want marcus sasser a quarterback <laughs> was that was that a thing did somebody really want that was that a was that a meme on twitter <laughs> point guard of your base to be the quarterback for the oh. team. <laughs> man tamer did you have a chance to watch saturday's game of course, I watched it for the sake of the show, and I was listening backstage before you added me in, and I wanted—I saw a comment. Um, somebody mentioned that, well, you guys talked about it as well, but they talked about the quarterback, and that was one of the things that I mentioned last week. We were going to have to see better productivity from Clayton soon, and I don't think he did that last Saturday. Um, and... Donald Dana Hogerson, <laughs> I have no words. I I had no words. They call this a redemption year, but for it to be a redemption year, I mean, granted, it was one game, but I don't see them redeeming themselves this season if they continue to play how they played last week. And Tamer, to your credit, you said Clay needs to cut down on on the turnovers. Right. You mentioned that. Well, he did. Got yeah. picked off four times. Pick six. And again, winning against Rice tomorrow, I hope that don't give them like the idea that oh we're getting 
soccer because I mean, not saying that Rice isn't a football school, but come on, it's well, they're they're not. You know, compared to U of H, in, in that sense, in the, in the basic sense, they're not. But right. Rice's defense is is solid. Okay, and Clayton too, and this is for everybody because, and we got to do this, mention this also. U of H's offensive line just looked overmatched against Tech from the second quarter on. And as they got pushed around, Clayton Toon's confidence went out the window. Yeah. He looked as he looked shook. Mm-hmm. At, at least, and Dana threw the O-line under the bus. Uh, was it Monday press conference or Tuesday? Earlier this week, he tossed, you know, he, he, he said Clay needed to be better in decision-making, but he also tossed O-line under the bus. Need to block better, you know, all, all that. This is for everybody. If the offensive line is not great, why do you continue designing plays for your quarterback to stay in the pocket? I mean, it makes no sense. You saw, I mean, why Houston was effective in that first quarter. Clayton rushed the ball nine times for 40, 50 something yards. Like he, he got, he used his legs and that's the one, like that's, that's his biggest uh, pro attribute. I would say is his ability to, you know, create something out of nothing with his legs. Um, and just sticking him in the pocket limits that. And then we've seen, you know, the poor decision-making with, uh, in terms of, you know, choosing the wrong spots to throw the ball and stuff. So I think you're really limiting him when you keep him in the pocket play by play. Cause like you mentioned, you don't have that offensive line protection. We haven't seen that. And also, um, it just doesn't give him any opportunity to make any play with his legs. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like James said, I mean, that first half, it was so surprising how different the teams looked. And this has been something that has been a theme with Dana, with the UH team since Dana Holgerson has been here, where the second half, they whatever for whatever reason, and that, the, that reflects a lot on the coaching, where the second half starts, their offense looks completely different. They can't get anything going. Granted, the defense uh, did a good job of keeping UH in the game for most of it, but, I mean, to not produce a single – I don't think they even had a play in Texas Tech's territory. If they did, it was at midfield in that second half. And like James said, to have a completely – you can't even call it. Is it a completely different game plan because that first quarter looked perfect? Was it just a script? Is it that Clayton Toon can't do much once the first you know first series of the games go by that they have script? If that's the case, then you know he shouldn't be starting if he can't – make plays whenever stuff plays break down uh, I mean what more could you lose him he's proven that he can't be that type of guy to give you a chance that's the best thing you could ask for and then like James said one-dimensional they said that they were going to try to be a lot more explosive in the vertical pass game and they rarely took shots downfield now granted Clayton Toon said Clayton Toon said a lot of that was because of the way Texas Tech played defense and that they were making it enticing for U of H to run the ball, making it seem like they'd be able to gash them, and then they would close the holes quickly, and they would come and make the tackles, and it made UH one-dimensional. But when you look at that, you can't be – what Chris, I, I'm sure you've heard this before. What, what is the definition of insanity? You Doing do the same, the same thing over again, expecting exactly. different results. Yeah. Exactly. And for that second half, it looked like Houston kept trying to do the same thing they didn't – add any diversity. I know we mentioned it during in the training camp, vertical game was one of the things they were looking forward to, but even in the short passes, they couldn't figure it out. 
and a lot lots of three and outs lots of turnovers and i mean really when you look at it from it being a team uh, entering second halves that's got to reflect bad on the coaching staff it's certainly on offense with dana hogerson because you know texas tech made adjustments houston seemed like they did it and to dana hogerson's credit he took responsibility for it he said it's the worst second half worst half of football he had ever been a part of but I mean, they could say all the right things, but at this point, people are just frustrated because they're not seeing any production on the field, any change on the field. And, and Will, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to mention this to you, and Andy, James, Tamer, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Will, I swear Dana mentioned that the O-line and players were out of shape, out of breath, poor conditioning. Yeah, he, he said that. It, it, granted, this was at NRG Stadium with the roof closed, Who's yeah. the stress coach? Yes. He's okay, that too. But Dana's the head coach, and this is week one. How right. is your team out of shape in week one? Right. What have y'all been doing this whole summer? Right. In the Houston Heat. Right. I mean, I mean, it's real concerning when he said, like he said, I don't think we have five guys that can play the whole game on the line. We need to rotate guys in and out. And Andy, to your point, when you said that he said uh, he took credit for, you know, a really bad first half, like how many how many more bad first halves until they finally get it together? You know what I mean? Yeah, the second the second half problem. Like, this has been a theme since he got here this first year. Uh, granted, you could say that first year was a lot to do with the, the unique situation that was created when De'Ara King uh, redshirted. And you kind of put, put the on, onus on that. But there were a lot of games where they would have good first halves. And that, that 2019 season, I remember writing a lot of stories where we started dubbing it the third quarter blues because they would they lost so many games. And it, granted, it was against the top of the American Athletic Conference against the SMUs, the Cincinnati's, the Memphis's. But still, you saw the team, and even last year, it progressed. You saw it against BYU. We saw it, and like you mentioned, when they play the good teams, Houston's under Dana Hogerson has been terrible and and Clayton Toon has played bad against the the best competition that they played in the past two seasons and now entering his third year um saw it again against Texas Tech and and I'll add this um whenever De'Ara King decided to transfer they gave him so much grief around the city of Houston because they're like why would he want out and I'm starting to believe maybe he saw something that we didn't see from a player's point of view you know what I mean he he not his intuition, but maybe he knew where this program was headed. And again, he only had one more year of eligibility. So who wants to spend their last year of eligibility losing? That That's not going to get you very far. That's, that's a very good point. And I'll also... Go ahead, Tamer. Um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was very adamant last week's show about how um, I'm scared for Houston, especially football moving into the Big 12 and how they're going to perform. And if they're going to, if they couldn't even, you know, put up a, a good game against Texas Tech, like they're going to get uh, liberated um, when it comes time to face those other teams like UT and OU and the other teams at the top of the league. Well, you know, Texas, I think, like I said, Texas, Oklahoma will be gone. <laughs> I just don't see. I would love for that one year of 14-team Big 12, but I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC before that happens. Will, I, I got I to gotta talk to you to get some 
a perspective from winning a winning football program yeah. okay, to brighten to brighten our our outlook here on folks talking sports talk about the ohio state buckeyes real quick and well i think ohio state has a freshman quarterback starting is that right yes and what did he do against a solid Minnesota team. What did he do? Uh, he threw for 294 and four touchdowns. Threw a pick in the first half, granted, but he got it together in the second half and uh, threw for, what was it, 236 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. Say, say that again? 236 yards and four touchdowns in the second half on the in, road. In the in second the half, on the road, in the rain, and Clayton for Toon led an offense in the second half that got – 53 yards total and Andy, you said what was it minus 18 rushing is that what you said yeah first career start first collegiate start for hmm. uh, cj Stroud. I, I i think that sounds like coaching to me yeah I, I i think what's the young man's name let's get that out there mention his name cj stroud okay cj stroud seemed to have better coaching than clayton tune or does you know we're getting to a point and i'm not listen these these are not personal knocks on clayton tune okay it's not personal shots if he's not the person for the job that's just a fact okay that doesn't mean he's a bad person that doesn't mean you know all those kind of things he won't if, be or else if he's yeah if he's not the person for the job let me ask you this james andy and then we'll get back to you to go on get your thoughts on oregon ohio state saturday Who's the backup? Is there somebody who, who can do better than Clayton too? I mean, James, or go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say that there's been, there has been a lot of talk, and, and I find it interesting that, you know, on the depth chart, you see that quarterback QB2 on the depth chart is Ike, and I, I don't want to butcher his last name. I believe it's Agbanu, but um, I know, for previous years, there's been a lot of chatter that Sophia Masood, who's one of the other backups, um, there's been a lot of buzz around him. And I just find it interesting how you know, he wasn't able to beat out Ike Akbanu for that second spot. So I'm not entirely sure that's coaching staff that doesn't haven't he they he hasn't been able to prove to the coaching staff that he could be that that eventually the starter or at least the second quarterback, or if there's other stuff going on, but um, I know that Sophia Masuda's had a lot of buzz, at least in previous years. James? Yeah, I mean, Andy hit it right on the head. Um, you know, Sophian's had a lot of buzz, but he's never been able to, you know, they haven't seen enough confidence, to have enough confidence in him to, you know, put him in there. And, I mean, with how Clayton struggled, but and Dana Holberson saying, you know, there's not, there's still not, you know, it's still not an open competition for quarterback. You know, Clayton's our guy. I mean, that's a little concerning looking at these guys behind them because, I mean, once again, not to like tear Clayton down personally, but like four interceptions, like you can't play much worse than that. Like, and, and most and many of the throws just were not good throws. The timing was late. The passes were short. They weren't close. He 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 struggled. He got worse as the blocking got worse. That that just can't happen. You know we we all see it. I mean I I hope Dana sees it. I mean hell he said it. 
<laughs> the offensive line needs to do better, needs to block better. Okay, then you need to call better plays. You need to roll out your quarterback more, a moving pocket. Give him some more run-pass options. Give him something to maximize what it is he does well. If it's running the ball, then let him run the ball more. Because it does not seem to be that Clayton can call audibles at the line of scrimmage. Because there, there was a play in the was it third quarter or so. Tech was in a, a front, a coverage where the linebacker was coming on a blitz. I mean, playing his day. Anybody can see it. Clayton did, did not change the play, stuck with it, hands off the running back, ran right into that hole where the backer was coming from. Bam! No game. What in the hell? I mean, I, I love how you bring that up because I remember that play exactly because I was my uh, the assistant sports editor for the Cougar. His name's Sean. I literally was talking to him right before the snap. I'm like, the backer's blitzing right up this hole. And, of course, to have him, like, anyone could see it. And, like like you said, it's concerning. You know, it's so clear, but you can't change the play. Yeah, and I, I remember, uh, I think it was last season, but I actually asked Dana Homerson something similar to that. And he his response to me was, oh, I'm the one that calls on the plays, not not the quarterback. So, okay, see that, and other comments from Dana. It's it seems to me he is saying enough to justify him not coming back after this season. He he's putting it out there. If Clayton Toon has a poor season in his third year, it's on me. I call the plays. Clayton doesn't you know doesn't audible. My guys aren't in shape. Aren't in good enough shape. Right. <laughs> okay. You're getting paid four million, soon to be five million, and the team isn't in shape, can't call audibles, can't make adjustments. This is all reason to fire you. That's that's what I'm hearing. And the buyout after this season, the, the next two years, total, I think the total buyout, because it's sixty percent of his salary is like, this is money for you, Will, like five, six million dollars. That's it? So, exactly, total. Well, money, you get new money from the Big 12, you should be able to cover that. So, if he goes, man, I, I just hope they don't bring him back after he goes, if they go eight and four against this soft schedule, because it's a soft schedule. He needs to, he has shown, he is showing and continues to show he is not the head coach for this job. And you're going to the Big 12. He talks about, you know, he was in the conference. He talks about needing more things for silly. And you told me this a little while ago, James as well, about a, what is it, a, a football development center, something like basketball, like basketball has something like that, their own building, mm -hmm. right? And the right. cost for that is projected, what, 40 to $60 million, right? Something around there, yeah. Something like that. But you're 7 and 14. <laughs> Why on earth, in my mind, would I bring you back? And Hell, first, Bill start building that facility for you when you're seven and fourteen, 
Tamer, make it make sense. Tamer, make it make sense to me. Make it make sense. No, I think at this point, it's no longer about... I think he's just trying to justify why his team is playing the way it is. Because, I mean, no amount of facilities... The facilities don't call the plays. <laughs> the facilities don't make those um, big decisions when they're on the field. So it's more so, I think, it's more so a him thing, and he doesn't want that on him. But I would be quite surprised to see U of H bring him back next year. They have no problem getting rid of Applewhite. So, I mean, if they do, then I don't know what's wrong. Oh, see, now you're getting too smart. Now you're bringing up words from the past from President Couture herself, who said, we fired coaches going eight and four. Right. Well, President Couture, well, James, you said, I've said, all of us have said, U of H goes eight and four this year. Well, to me, based on what she said, they need to be gone after this season. <laughs> so, James, do you think do do y'all remind her of that statement? I'm sure other folks do, but do you remind her of that? You as a sports editor of Daily Cougar? I mean, I don't get a chance to talk to her a lot, but I mean, I in some of the media sessions I've been with her, someone else has brought it up. I haven't brought it up personally, but I mean, she knows like I, I've seen it brought up. And I think her uh, thing was like, you know, 10 and 2 is the, you know, standard here. Um, so and especially against, like we talked about, this schedule, like eating four with this schedule is not good. Maybe with a stronger schedule, then you can give show some lenience. But like with who they're playing, like eight and four is just not good enough. I'm, I'm looking at Will with with his uh, the Ohio State disgust when he heard James <laughs> say ten and two is the same. Yeah, I was trying to hide it. Like no, you can't hide it. We know how you feel, man. You you ten and two is what y'all expect. Is the standard? Yeah, less less than ten and two was a failure for Ohio State. Yeah, we know it. Will we know? We we know. We, oh we, my we know. gosh! I was still trying to digest rotating offensive linemen in, and then I heard ten and two was the standard. Like, whoo! And uh, of course, for all y'all, and then Will coming to you to talk to preview Buckeyes Ducks going to a Power Five conference, Big Twelve. I think the standard. It has to change. It has to change. Ten, ten and two, the Big Twelve. That's gonna be hard to do. I was gonna say I don't see that for you. You know, especially <laughs> if Dana's the coach. Right. That ain't happening at all. And there's no way in hell. I would like to see it happen, but with him in charge and how things are going, who in the Big Twelve? I, I I I just don't see that happening at all. James, we're gonna shift gears. Because I want to talk about U of H hoops to have some more positive stuff. Well, I'm coming to you in, the, in a second. Mm -hmm. Predictions. Because Andy, I think what was it that you you sent me a, a tweet? It wasn't was it wasn't a betting line, was it? It was like one of those predictor algorithm type things for Houston Rice. Yes. Yeah, uh, I actually I think it was a spread for the game. I think it was at uh, around eight eight and a half. No, no, because you sent me something I thought where the the score was like 25.2 to 24.8, something oh. like that. Oh, yeah, the other one. Um, yeah, so, that was, I think that was one prediction. Let me see if I can find it again. Oh, yeah, I see it. Um, 
It was Odd Shark's prediction for the game tomorrow between Houston and Rice, and they actually predicted uh, Rice to beat Houston by one point. So, yeah, one of those. Um, so, so that's that predictor, you know, putting things in, you know, on the computer, because I, you know, I have heard that the line roughly is around um, U of H minus eight, Rice plus eight. But just some someone out there believing that Rice could beat U of H will beat U of H by a point. James, give me a prediction. Give me a final score. So I have UH winning 37-17. I think there's a few things I'm looking for in this game. First, Rice's defense, like you mentioned before, is better than most people expect. Last year, they were 12th in the country in points allowed. And against Arkansas, they gave up 38, but that's misleading because they threw three picks deep in their territory, which led to 21 Arkansas points. So they really played solid. The one, And then the other thing is uh, UH hasn't been able to establish a run game really with running backs under Holgerson, but Rice's defense gave up 5.6 yards per carry to Arkansas last week. So that's going to be an interesting battle, you know, a defense that's been, that started the season struggling with the run, and, but an offensive line who can't block to create any runs. But in the end, I think UH um, responds and um, pulls out a victory. Tamer, give me a score. Last week I went off of um, instinct, and I'm not doing that this week. I'm going to go get to U of H and say Rice. I think it'll be a pretty low-scoring game, so I'll say Rice 28, U of H 21. Andy. Yeah, um, I think what we're going to see a lot tomorrow is um, what Clayton Toon is made of. I can't imagine how – we mentioned this in the podcast day, I don't know, I am pod Simon Jamma, just in terms of he's going to be facing the most pressure he's ever had in his collegiate career because the moment – if he throws – a pick on Saturday. The moment that happens, you're going to feel, we mentioned how he seemed rattled again in the moments during that game against Texas Tech. The next time he has a turnover, especially if it comes tomorrow against Rice, you'll know, and obviously Toon won't have access to Twitter or anything like that during the game, but you could feel the the, the kind of the pressure from Pat Bain saying, he's not the guy you need to sub him out, do this and that. So we're going to get to see what Clayton Toon is made of. Can he handle that pressure? And I'm curious to see just how he plays and how Houston game plans coming out of the gates. Like James said, will they try to establish the run more, especially against Texas Tech? It was brutal and really didn't see much production. I mean, they had Marcus Jones out there in the backfield trying to make plays. And that's like, I get his versatility, but I mean, he sh you shouldn't be having him playing special teams, playing on defense, and you have him trying to make offensive plays too when you have a plethora of running backs. I mean, Houston, I there's no way they should lose to Rice. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I agree with Tamer. I think it'll be a defensive battle. I, I, don't, I think Houston will struggle to move the ball again. But, but I think Houston pulls it out. I say Houston wins it 27, Rice 17. The only reason I'm, I'm picking U of H to win is because I'm not changing my predictions from, what, a month or so ago I had them losing Texas Tech. They did that. I had them beating Rice. So I'm going to pick them to beat Rice. But it wouldn't shock me if Rice beats U of H Saturday. I might, I, might, I might be incorrect, but whenever Clayton Toon is having so many turnovers, why doesn't Dana Hogerson ever take him out? That's a great question. question. That's a great question that you need an answer for. It's a, what, 530 kickoff? 
Yeah, yes. at Rice Stadium. Mm-hmm. The game will also be shown on CBS Sports Network, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, so I think I'm, I may spend my time help me, have it help me watching that subpar football <laughs> from 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 the Hogersons. Well, you you picked uh, Texas Tech to blast U of H. Uh, do you want to give a prediction again for this one, Rice U of H? Yeah, only because I heard that you rotate offensive linemen due to lack of conditioning in week one. I got to pick Rice. <laughs> I, that, that alone. By, by a lot? Will it I, be another double-digit loss in the Hogerson era at U of H? Yeah, that seems to be the pattern. So, yeah, I'll say by double digits. Rice by double digits. Whew. All right, let's shift gears. And, and basically, this segment will be the Ohio State Buckeye segment brought to you by Willie Gibson. Insert sponsor here because we're looking for a sponsor for this segment as well. Real talk. Yes, well, sir. what time is the Ohio State Oregon Duck game? High noon, 11 a.m. Central. On uh, what? Fox? It's on Fox. Fox yeah, it's on Fox. Okay. Big noon takeoff. Yep. Give me your thoughts. Give me, give me, give me some info. What should we be looking for? Uh, well, before I do that, look for I got to bring this up because this is why I was late. This literally broke right like less than an hour before the show, and I got to look at his name because you'll see why in a second. I got the last name on lock, but Halaya Naoteote. Okay. Transfer linebacker from USC. NCAA granted his waiver 7 p.m., maybe 6.30 Eastern time tonight. He's eligible immediately. He's been practicing with Ohio State. Uh, Again, transfer from USC was a walk-on. Uh, due to some eligibility concerns, NCAA had he filed a waiver. Actually, Coach Day, Coach Ryan Day, head coach at Iowa State, mentioned yesterday in his last media availability that the waiver had been denied and he would not play this season. But they came back and quickly said, no, that's not the case. NCAA announced tonight that he is his waiver has been granted and he's eligible immediately. So he has been practicing. They've been wanting to put him give him number one reps, but not knowing his playing status didn't give him a lot. So he is uh, playing, is practicing. Don't know how much he'll play tomorrow, if at all. But uh, that's because uh, I talked about it last week. The linebackers at Ohio State uh, against Minnesota were atrocious at best. And so to give him a 6'2", 247-pound junior and uh, instant upgrade to that to that defensive uh side of the ball, the linebackers. But that being said, um, Oregon comes in here with the defense. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, probably the consensus number one pick in the draft. Have they, uh, have, has it been an update on his ankle? No. Um, haven't heard anything yet from all – but no, they expect him to play. Ohio State, you know, they're not looking to, you know, of course be great if he didn't play, but they're, they're expecting him to play. Um, so how effective he'll be. We don't know. Uh, he'll be going up against uh, Dewan Jones, the right tackle, uh, 6'8", 360. But it's his second, well, third career start. So he's the young guy. They, they, they expect him to go after Dewan Jones a lot and not the left tackle, uh, Nick Petit-Farid, uh, who's a, a three-year starter. So uh, let's to have him uh, doing some things. Um, Noah Sewell, the linebacker. Uh, Panay Sewell, uh, little brother, uh, younger brother, because he's not little. A sophomore linebacker, and then the uh, quarterback transfer, Anthony Brown from uh, 
Boston College uh, was was did some nice things last week against Fresno State. So, you know, he'll come in here and give uh, Harry Coombs' defense uh, a lot to uh, to think about. So, but all that being said, C.J. Stroud gets his first home start. Uh, Trevion Henderson gets his first home start as uh, the freshman. And I expect Ohio State to uh, take it their all-time record against Oregon to a perfect 10-0. They're 9-0 all-time against Oregon right now. And I think they get win number 10 tomorrow. Well, and Andy and James chime in with this. Uh, this this is, um, I guess, big-time football problem. Like we talk about first-world problems, big-time football problem. Was it yesterday or Wednesday, Ohio State mentioned, I saw reference of 10,000 tickets yep. remain unsold. Yep. The shoe seats, how many? 100 what? Uh, 108. 108. So 108. Just under, under 100,000 if those tickets go unsold. About 98,000. Okay. Just under 100,000 if those don't get sold. TDECU seats what, James? 40 something. And you rates 40,000. Struggles to get 25, 25, yeah. maybe? I mean, if they get a fourth of what the horseshoe can see, I mean. Man, okay, okay, but Will, and this is a, a, a college sports problem, an issue. Mm-hmm. I saw one of the comments, uh, the Buckeyes, some of the fans are beginning to voice that the Buckeyes are beginning to price some fans out of going. Yeah, Ticket prices are too high. Yeah. Is, that, is that a legit concern? It is a legit concern. Uh, tickets... Uh... And I'm not sure how how U of H handles this, but Ohio State, they're they're tiers. You know, Oregon is a premium game, mm-hmm. so tickets for this game are one hundred sixty dollars. Now there are other games for example. Uh, sit where? Anywhere? Anywhere, across the board. So Most like like general admission kind of kind of thing. No, no general admission. No, no, no. But one sixty to sit anywhere, like even even yeah. way up, way up high. Well, these, yeah, these tickets are yeah, they're they're sold. Yeah, so what? But it's a premium game. It's Oregon. So conversely, uh, next week or two weeks rather, well, Tulsa. Yeah, next week they play Tulsa on the twenty fifth. They play Akron. Those seats are probably about ninety five. So, you know, Oregon is the premier game this year. So I don't my air quotes the premier game. So this is so, this is some dynamic pricing, kind of. Thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, well, what's the spread? Last I looked, I think it was six. I think it was Ohio State by six and a half. Will right, will the Buckeyes cover that? Whatever it is, will the Buckeyes cover? I think so. I think they will at home. I hope they. I I think they will. Home opener. They will, will it be a double digit win? Double digit win. Actually, I'm sorry. I, it was sixty. I was looking at the over under total. Okay. Ohio State is favored by fourteen and a half. Oh wow. The over under is sixty three and a half. I'm, I that was totally a mistake on my part. Fourteen and a half. 
Mm. Come on, Will. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll do it. So, oh, wow. Okay. And that's a legit team from the Pac-12 getting it matched is. by, let's say, 15 to 17 points. <laughs> okay. Woo. All right. Kelvin Sampson got a minute comment. Uh, Coach Sampson answered my question just about about 60, 60 to 70 seconds about his thoughts on the good news of you, Vates, being invited to the Big 12. And then I got a question for everybody on the panel. And hopefully, if folks still we haven't lost on YouTube, get your thoughts on my question. Kelvin Sampson, let me get it up. Here we go. For uh, all the people that work so hard behind the scenes, um, the teams that came before us, uh, student athletes, staff, um, you know, I think everybody's, it, I give a lot of credit to uh, Commissioner Oresco for his hard work in trying to make the American Athletic Conference a Power Six Conference. And there's a reason why. You know, we, we, we all wanted to be in a Power Five Conference because of the obvious benefits. You know, for one, you know, sometimes the biggest difference in our school and a lot of the other schools is nothing but much TV money you get. And with that TV money, it creates uh, a difference in a lot of things. Um, but being back in the being back in the Big 12 uh, for our university uh, with the teams there, I just think is good for our fan base, um, good for our alumni, good for our university. Thoughts on that? Tamer? I mean, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I, kudos to U of H on their promotion to the Big 12. Um, he, he mentioned that he think it's good for fans, but you have to win for fans to want to come out. So I think that's going to be continue to be an issue for U of H. Um, not whoa, 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 whoa. Not for U of H means basketball. Not, no, 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 not basketball. Of course not. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in, uh, overall, like, obviously we know the basketball program is, like, outstanding, has been outstanding, and I think will continue to be outstanding. But – um, it's more competition for them, yes. Um, but again, I think the level of competition for other sports um, and the fan engagement, they're going to have to really step it up if they want to see that increase in sales and tickets like we were just talking about. Andy, and, what, what are your thoughts? We, we might get like a lot of fans coming out now um, just because of the hype of being in the Big 12. But one, I think it will probably decline if the performance isn't there. Oh, yeah, no question. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, first, I, I agree with Tamer on that last one. Like I mentioned, if they were to lose to Rice, I just feel like it would kill all the momentum of what today built up heading into the Big 12. But I'm going to Kelvin Sampson specifically. I think it was a, a classy move to mention, acknowledge Mike Oresco and kind of what the past few years they've been, you know, like we mentioned, they've been promoting themselves at the Power Six Conference. I know right now, especially, um, I believe it was Thursday when it was Sports Illustrated, they interviewed Mike Oresco, and he talked about how, honestly, it came across as, you know, how frustrated he was that, you know, the Big 12, the Q, the American Athletics Conference have 
trying to, you know, snatch away some of their universities. But then, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, the Big 12 turns around and steals, uh, honestly, three universities that have had the most success uh, across the board, top to bottom, especially when you look at football and men's basketball. And Michael Resco talked about how that kind of proves that we we considered ourselves a Power Six conference, and it was, it was kind of complaining how we couldn't do that to the Big 12, but they certainly turned around and were able to do that to us. But, you know, I think Kelvin Sampson acknowledged it, how at this point it's, like, good for the program all around. Obviously, the TV contract money is going to be the, the big premium benefit and the, the autonomy to potentially having – a, especially if eventually the college football playoff does expand into more than just four teams, it would be a good chance that the Big 12 will have not only an automatic bid, but probably, you know, have multiple teams each season, depending on how big the expansion is. And across the board, like you mentioned right now, the UH fan base, alumni, everyone, anyone associated with Houston is really excited for the move because like we mentioned earlier, it was something that honestly they've been chasing since the moment the Southwest Conference disbanded. James? Yeah, like Kelvin Sampson said in that clip and he mentioned it multiple more times throughout uh, his availability today, you know, this is a huge win for the men's basketball program's fan base as a whole. He talked about how he remembers, you know, those early first few games in the Fertitta Center with Oregon and LSU and just the excitement of the crowd and uh, that's the one thing we've talked about, you know, UH football not generating a lot of buzz and fans not really coming out to games. But, like, basketball has been the hot ticket. They've been able to get people out. But now being able to have, you know, those blue buds, you get Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State coming to your place on a yearly basis. Like, just how, how much more exciting that is, you know, to get some of these uh, marquee matchups. Um, it will just continue. Um, we mentioned earlier how Lauren Sampson's done a great job, you know, promoting the uh, program as a whole, but just you know, having these marquee matchups every year is going to just be huge and help the program even further rise um, under Samson. Now, this is for the panel. This, this is my question, James, that I hinted at when I saw you earlier today at, at U of H. Mm -hmm. In a 12-team new Big 12, uh, C.J. Moore with The Athletic referenced it in his article today that the coaches – because, you know, right now, the 10-team Big 12 conference play is round-robin. Everybody plays each other home and away. 10-team conference, nine games home, nine games away, so 18. 12-team conference, according to CJ, the coaches would like to continue that, continue the round-robin. Thoughts on a 22-game conference schedule? Do it. Tammy, you say do it. I do too. Will, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I can only compare it to, to us here in the Big Ten. It's an 18 game conference schedule here in the Big Ten. Um, and divisions, teams. right? 14. Right. So a little different, right? Yeah, a little different. Have divisions. So you play everyone in your division twice and you play some teams once. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's that's very uh, – that, that would be impressive. That would let be me, impressive. Let me, let me add to what I was going to um, I I just think that it, it, it's only fair to play one team a home and away because, I mean, everybody wants that 
home court advantage at some point, yes. But then also, okay, if you don't play each team twice, then that means that puts somebody at the least advantage. You know what I mean? To the oh, team. sure. Yeah. But, but that happens all the time. <laughs> right. True. true. <laughs> and that's true. one of the problems that some that a lot of fans and media don't like about these mega conferences is you don't get a chance to play every, everybody twice and have what the Big 12 coined a few years back. One true champion because right. you play everybody twice. Right. Andy, what do you think about a 22 game conference schedule? Yeah, from a basketball perspective, I agree. It would be it would work perfectly just in terms of when you add a lot of these teams in the Big Twelve are within the state of Texas. You think about Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU coming to Houston once a year and Houston having to travel to all those locations. It would certainly be a lot more buzz and we, we mentioned in previous episodes where when you look at the American Athletic Conference, at least from a basketball standpoint, there isn't necessarily a true rivalry. The closest thing to it is Memphis. And why is that? Well, first of all, it's because both of the programs have been at the top of the conference year in and year out. But for the most part, I know this past season it was a little bit different due to COVID. But, you know, there was a lot of times when Houston goes to Memphis and Memphis plays here. And it, it, that's how you build those rivalries, especially they already have the element of the interstate aspect of it. So fans would jump at it immediately. And obviously, if you add, if you have a 22-game conference schedule, it'll limit the amount of games, non-conference games you have. But for Houston, when you look at it from their perspective, I mean, they're the Big 12. Like, arguably, you could make the argument it could be the best uh, basketball conference in the country, just from top to bottom, how well-rounded each team is and the success. I mean, they have two Final Four this past year, two Final Four participants, and they have a national champion coming in. So I don't think they lose much from that aspect if they have to you know, shorten them. They can't play one or two extra non-conference games. But I think with just how deep the conference is in, it helps each program in the long run. I have a question. So do they start playing? So will you start playing Baylor and OSU um, and all of those teams this season? Or No. No. Okay. No. Um, fall of 2023 – was they mentioned will. today. I think UH may try to do it sooner, as in next season, but that, that will cost more money to pay it to the American. James. Yeah, I mean, Will, everybody, your thoughts on it first, James, and then I got follow up for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone brought up good points, and I agree. The one thing I would add is look at it from an NCAA tournament perspective, right? If you're playing every team twice, it gives those teams on the bubble in your conference you know, a better chance to boost the resume, you know, a loss to Kansas isn't going to drop you out because Kansas is historically been, you know, a top 25 team often in the top 10. But if you're able to beat them one of the two times, that's a major boost to your resume and could maybe the difference in you getting in the tournament or not. So I think, you know, there's a benefit to those fringe teams and it helps, you know, it could help the Big 12 get the most amount of teams possible into the uh, NCAA tournament. Agreed. And... From I'm not sure. I think the ACC, and I know the Pac-12 did, not, might have been for COVID, but they had a 20-game conference schedule, and they may go back to it. But a 22-game conference schedule is great. would be great for TV. Right. It'd be great for the Big 12 now on ESPN Plus for the content. The, the matchups, because in our scenario – if it's divisions, possibly, 
who's to say? Would Kansas be in the same division as U of H? I don't believe they would. And then you get into a scenario, if you're doing divisions, we get into the issue of you're not playing everybody twice. You know, would you in a, in a division scenario, why U of H play Kansas twice or Baylor plays UCF twice? You know, so it's an unfair advantage right there. But non-conference will take a hit because you're looking at maybe seven to nine non-conference games total if you're in a, a multi-team event non-conference. But, man, you could bill it. You're going to play. You'll be at every member school. You every, you. You basically go to Lawrence every year. You basically go to Waco every year. Provo, Utah every year. Morgantown every year. Lubbock every year. Stillwater every year. You just mark it down. You get as any touched on it. You 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 build rivalries then for sure because you know you're playing everybody every year, twice a year. And then James, great point about the potential for the net. The boost. I mean, a 12 team in the new Big 12, I could see what at least nine teams make every year to the NCAA tournament on the men's side. Yeah. I mean, Kelvin Sampson said he expects eight to 10 with the new format, just with how deep the conference runs. Yeah. And the, the irony about that is if eight to 10 make it to the men's tournament, the two that don't make it, those coaches are in trouble. <laughs> Probably, but in the new Big 12, U of H is not going to go. See, let's say in my dream scenario of a 22 game conference schedule, U of H is not going to go 18 and four. That's highly unlikely, unless they got a great, you know, or better, unless they have an elite, elite team. But that does not mean they're not a Final Four team. They can still be a great team. Just the competition is going to be great. You guys on the panel and people I talk to because in the basketball world, they love this realignment because the basketball matchups in the new Big 12 on the men's side have everybody hyped. Looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm geeked for that. It looks like the special guest that I talked to is not going to be able to uh, make it. Uh, I'll try to get them on in the future. But is there anything you guys want to touch on as you close it out? Is it going on almost a great two-hour show? I mean, one thing I would add real quick, just the hype of basketball. If you look at the last two Final Fours, three of the eight teams that have been in it are now in the new Big 12. Like, that shows you nearly half of them. So, like, there's going to be intense great competition and it's going to be so fun to watch and that's one of the most excited things um about you know this new big 12 in my opinion uh, it's a question thank you for bringing it up because that got the hamster to move around and you know on the wheel a little bit in my head again why the need for all the sports to join a conference why why not just have a basketball conference why not just have a football conference why does BYU have to have all its sports come to 
the Big 12 or, or why does UCF have to have everything included with football to join the Big 12? Why not just go regional for everything else? Because UCF football, because we all know it, football makes college sports. Mm -hmm. So why not just have football conferences? And then for, hell, anything else, basketball conferences, make them more regionally based. We still have to operate under the guise of higher learning academic oh, institutions. Oh, my fault. I'm sorry. You're right. You know that. I, I'm sorry. I forgot, you, I forgot about that. I, I forgot about this, the student assets part of it. My my bad. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, that makes sense, Will. See, that's why you're part of the show. That's why you're part of Folk Soccer Sports to bring in that, that logic and common sense. That's, that is a great point. Yeah. Tamer Knight, have you received any feedback from your hosting performance of TSU Sports, which, which premiered on AT&T Sportsnet Thursday? Um, I've had a lot of good feedback. Um, some good and bad, things I can work on, but I haven't really asked for too many opinions or asked anybody if they've watched it. Did you guys see me on TV? <laughs> well, did you tell them that you were on TV? You, you no. told me about it. <laughs> you tell anybody else about your TV hosting performance? No, I did not. Well, then that's your fault. True. When's, when's your next show? When's your next hosting gig? Has that been determined? Uh, it will be, so it was yesterday. Um, the next one will be not this upcoming Thursday, but the following Thursday. Every okay. bi-weekly. So. Okay, so Tamer Knight, host of TSU Sports on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, what is that? Southwest, whatever, AT&T yeah. Sportsnet, Houston, whatever it is. Kudos to Jerome Solomon and the folks involved because there's also a Rice sports show as well as a year-round U of H show on AT&T Sportsnet to talk about all the sports to get recognition to all the student assets in the U of H athletic program. So AT&T Sportsnet, they got to fill some of the time up with content some, somehow. I, I would like to applaud Jerome and Brimsoul Media for just, I know you said that TSU had a show back in the day, but last year and the couple of years before, that was one thing that I was like, not confused, but I just didn't understand how come, you know, they didn't get as much exposure as other schools in Houston. So to me, I think that's great that they're on AT&T Sportsnet and TSU did get a new um, president. Uh, Dr. Alicia Crumpton Young. So she says she's all for doing more for athletics. So I'm excited to see um, where TSU will go, not only with the show, but uh, moving forward in athletics. James, how can folks find you? Um, will you be at the game Saturday at Rice Stadium? Will you be there? Yes, I will be. Um, Y'all can find me. Um, I'll be live tweeting and stuff um, on Twitter at JDM2186. And then, like I always say, all my work is on the dailycougar.com. And Yanez, how can folks find you? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. And be sure to check out our podcast at Podslamajama, P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A. We had a preview episode with with Rice and Houston that will, came out on Thursday. We'll have content throughout the day, including a, a post-reaction podcast, both Dayon and I are so we're looking forward to it. 
Mr. Gibson, how can folks find you? Yes, sir. Appreciate the opportunity as always. Uh, Will Gibson 7. Will Gibson 7 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Will Knowles, Facebook page, and www.wtgsports.com. And I forgot to mention, so I want to mention it before we, we wrap it up. For anyone who still wonders, the new, the four new members will not receive any of that buyout money from Texas and Oklahoma. Okay? That's at all. At all. That's, if, that money, even if even if they join before OU and UT meet. Wow. It's that money. That's what I was told. That's what I heard today. It is just for the current members. So you know, wishful thinking on that end. I guess negotiations are, are, you know, anything's possible, but that's not the case. So that money from Texas and Oklahoma is going to the eight members. It's going to Kansas and Mr. Goff. So maybe that can tide him over and, and you know, squash his pipe dreams about going to another conference with a sorry football program, you know. But uh, I didn't get to plug my social media. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Tamer. Please, by all means, how close find you on social media? I mean, you're you're TV now, so I just oh, didn't think you wanted to do you know social media. But by all means, how can folks find you? You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram at T Night Sports. That's T K N I G H T Sports. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Tamer Nights, uh, just as it appears on the screen. And yeah, check me out bi-weekly on AT and T Sports Net for the TSU Sports Show. And wrap it up, as I mentioned. Uh, practice begins for U of H men's basketball October 1st for U of H women's basketball September 28th and that is also the first day of NBA practices beginning as well so hoops is around the corner Big 12 basketball media days is next month in person in Kansas City I'm going to I was going to plan to be there anyway so I'm definitely going to be there until the goal is to do that next month. Uh, meet some folks, see some folks I haven't seen in, in quite a while. Looking forward to that. Thank you for joining us on this show. Uh, let's see. When can y'all join us Join us again? When can we do it again? It's Friday. Let's do it. Fridays work for everybody? Fridays are typically good, yeah. Okay, so that could be our, our new spot going forward to try to be more consistent during the season. Of course, that'll probably change when we have basketball game and things like that on Fridays, but we'll make it all work. Thanks for the comments, people tuning in during the show. Thank you for sticking with us in almost a two-hour show. The big news of the day, once again, the University of Houston has been invited and accepted an invitation to the Big 12, and we'll join as soon as the fall of 2023. I'm thinking... Hey, if you can join sooner, as in the next fall, make it happen. It'll cost more money. But just talk to James and Andy for some money. They got there in the socks. Ah. Cover the balance on that. But thank you for tuning in to another edition of Folks Talking Sports. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube. Twitter is T H E H R Review. I've been around longer than these youngsters have been around on this earth. Tom <laughs> Harvey's been around since 1994. Local name, born. global perspective. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Y'all take care. See you next Friday. Bye, everyone. Thank y'all. Bye, y'all.